Welcome to Intersect, where church meets culture. I'm Josh Desch, the lead pastor at Northeast Presbyterian Church in Columbia, South Carolina, and I am joined as always by my wife, the resolute Betsy. Hey, everybody. Hey there, Bets. Are you feeling resolute? Sure. I think that is a great adjective. It means determined. It means uh, you don't give up, and that is something that would certainly define you. Thank you. And we have another friend who I would also describe as resolute here with us, Julie Palakis, who works in our student ministry. Julie, thank you so much for joining us. I'm very glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, it is our joy to have you on the podcast. Julie is a longtime worker in our church's next-gen department. She works with middle school and high school, and that is for over a decade. Is that right, Julie? That's correct, 12 years. Okay, okay. Well, folks, here's the title of the episode for today, and, and you'll understand why we have invited Julie on. The title of today's episode is Equipping Families in the Trans Discussion. Equipping Families in the Trans Discussion. This is the second episode in a series that we are doing on trans issues, okay? I would encourage our audience to go back and listen to our first episode, Understanding the Trans and Gender Debate. To be clear, it was not our goal to cover everything in that episode. And in in a lot of ways, we we were as uh, broad as we possibly could have been uh, in 30 minutes in the in a very complex mm-hmm. and uh, important discussion. And so we feel like it's important for us to spend uh, multiple podcast episodes on this topic mm-hmm. because it's not one that you can just give pat answers to. It's it's not one that you can sort of just uh, make everything black and white and everything is so crystal clear. It's that's it's right. it's like anything with humanity. It's complex, right? Mm-hmm. So many layers. So many layers. That's right, Bets. And so we're delighted to have on our resident expert, Julie. <laughs> uh, uh, both as, as, as you'll learn, as our audience will learn, both as a very well, uh, well-read uh, layperson on this topic, as well as someone who has been working in student ministry, as you said, for 12 years. Yeah, thank you. So, so Julie, we we're, we're, are excited to have uh, you join us for this discussion today. Let me go ahead and introduce this topic. Um, today, our focus is on how we can care for kids who identify as trans or who just maybe have an interest in what it means to be trans or the trans community. We're also interested in speaking to parents, to family members, to extended families uh, because uh, trans issues is something that is more and more uh, a pervasive thing in our culture. I'm going to give some examples of how that's very much uh, in the news right now. But let me start out by saying this. We here at Northeast Pres are a church. So what does it mean that the church is to care for those who are dealing with any struggle for that matter? Well, let let me just define very quickly, uh, our church and what it means that we are a church. So Northeast Presbyterian Church is a PCA church, which means that we are a part of the Presbyterian Church in America denomination. That's our denomination. We're actually the largest conservative evangelical Presbyterian denomination in America. There is one Presbyterian denomination that's larger than us, but that is a denomination that would be far more theologically and culturally liberal uh, than compared to us. So we are a denomination that is 
theologically conservative, culturally conservative. And let me just share, because I've actually never done this on the podcast before, Bets. I'm just I'm mm-hmm. maybe a little surprised I've never done this before, but let me read the motto of our denomination. The PCA is faithful to the scriptures. That's our mm-hmm. first uh, part of our motto. In other words, we as a, denomina- a denomination and any church in our denomination holds to the inerrancy of the Bible. That means all of the Bible is God's word and it is all authoritative for our lives, not just some parts of it. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find any denomination now that wouldn't say that some parts of the Bible, well, yeah, we believe that part, or we accept this part, but we would say the entire Bible is authoritative and written by God. Uh, the second thing in our motto is that we are true to the Reformed faith, and that means we are bound by the Westminster Standards which include the Westminster Confession and the larger and shorter catechisms. Um, To our audience who's not familiar with those, those are theological documents that were written in uh, England in the 1600s, about the middle of the 1600s, and those serve as a summation of our theological beliefs. We don't believe those are more authoritative than the Bible, but we believe those are like theological summaries for what we believe. And the final part of our motto is obedient to the Great Commission, which means we don't view missions or living a missional life as optional, but as a commandment that our Lord has put upon every church and every Christian who bears his name. So when we say that we're a church, that's what we mean, okay? Um, That's what it means to be a PCA church. So that's the context that we're approaching this issue from. As a, as a PCA church. Now, um, and I'm not going to dominate this episode, folks, because I already feel like I'm talking too much, but let me, because I want to get these other important voices in, Julie and Betsy, but let me just introduce now the topic a little bit more. Why has the trans uh, debate or, or trans discussion is a better word, why has that all of a sudden gotten on our radar? Why, is, why, are, why are so many people talking about it right now? Well, it was because a bill was recently introduced in Congress called the Equality Act. And I want to just read straight from Congress's website, congress.gov, about this bill, this bill called the Equality Act. This bill prohibits discrimination based on sex, sexual orientation, and gender identity in areas including public accommodations and facilities, education, federal funding, employment, housing, credit, and the jury system. Specifically, the bill defines and includes sex, sexual orientation, and gender identity among the prohibited categories of discrimination or segregation, okay? Now, let me just read a little bit more of this about this bill. Um, The bill prohibits an individual from being denied access to a shared facility, including a restroom, a locker room, and a dressing room that is in accordance with the individual's gender identity. So... There's, there's more, there's way more to the bill. Of course, you could go online and you could read about the bill, but this is the bill that has really gotten a lot of attention. Now, Bets, as we so often say on this politics, uh, on this podcast, we're not all about politics. Mm-hmm. This is not a political uh, podcast. Right. But yet, I think it's important sometimes to bring up legislation so that we understand why this is something that everybody's talking about. Mm-hmm. But now, as we shift to the topic, let us not forget this, that in the midst of political fighting and debate and the two sides, there are a lot of confused and hurting adolescents out there 
mm-hmm. who are really wrestling with trans issues. Sure. And some of those folks are in our churches. Mm-hmm. They're Absolutely. in our they're in our PCA churches. They're in non PCA churches. They're in Catholic churches. They're in they're in every kind. In, in fact, they're in they're in every kind of religion mm-hmm. uh, because um, trans and, and trans matters is increasingly something that is that has been put in front of us and is something that we do need to wrestle with and think through in a biblical manner. Now, let's remember what Paul says. He calls us to speak the truth in love. That's what Ephesians 4.15 says. Mm-hmm. We um, Now, Julie is going to reference um, a guy named Preston Sprinkle, I'm sure, as we get into this discussion. But one of the things that I've heard Preston say, and I've listened to many of his podcasts, is uh, I believe the way he says it is, our truth will not be heard until our grace is felt. Mm. And uh, that, is a, that is a good way to, to speak to all of us, which if, if our mission is to come in with the hammer, the hammer of truth, and just knock everybody down, well, we might, we might ultimately be right in our position, but how well are we loving and caring for others? Mm-hmm. So, Betts, can you go ahead and ask Julie this first question as we jump into this discussion? Yeah, um, so again, Julie, so glad you're here with us today. So um, I know that you have had a lot of experience working with students, and I personally am thankful as um, we are parents who have a student in the ministry. Um, so have you seen an increase in students having an awareness of transgender issues and, and questions over the past few years, um, especially compared to to when you first started working with students 12 years ago? Yeah, I would say absolutely. Um, there's been an increase. And it first started more with the LGBT, mm-hmm. well, the LB, LGBTQ, um, mm-hmm. and then it has kind of expanded into trans from when I first started when you hardly ever heard anything about it to now when it's a topic of conversation across the board, not only students that are coming out as trans, but are very accepting of people that come out as trans, which is is a good thing, but it's just, it's part of the normal conversation. So, mm-hmm. so Julie, would you say that your average, let's say high schooler, um, knows about trans issues? Like they, they wouldn't be surprised if you said to them something trans, they, they wouldn't say, hey, what are you talking about? Absolutely not. I mean, okay. that's just part of their everyday life. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. And how, how do you think, uh, um, do you think this is something that, you know, raised awareness. I mean, is this something that we're seeing on social media, through movies? What, what what are you seeing? I would say all of the above. You're seeing it on social media. You're seeing it in movies. You're seeing it in television. Um, you're seeing it from celebrities. And then just, just the more across the board looking for equal rights. And so it gets wrapped up in that conversation as well. So it's becoming more of the norm, whereas in the past it was something that was just not talked about hmm. at all. So you've already mentioned a few things, Julie, but why do you think there's been such an increase in trans identity or trans uh, curiosity over the past few years? I mean, what do you think is driving this? I think there's a lot of um, things that are driving it. I I think first and foremost, it's a cultural, it's being driven by the the culture. Um, And I think it started again with the, the gay folks that were working towards equal rights. And then we moved into when um, same-sex attracted marriage was approved Mm -hmm. by the Supreme Court. And um, it just became more acceptable in the cultural at large, the culture at large, that this was an 
this this was normal and this was part of it. And I think as that part of the population became more comfortable in speaking out, um, the trans started to follow right behind it. And so it's just been kind of this cultural shift away from never speaking about it to having it in front of you all the time. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah, and probably we would say that uh, being gay or lesbian was the same same evolution, right? Absolutely. There was a time where you never talked about that. Absolutely. And then there was a a certain progression that's followed. Right, and I think it's it's been driven mainly by secular culture. It has not been a conversation in our churches. Um, it has been more of a conversation in the secular world, and then that has forced the church to begin thinking about it and mm-hmm. speaking about it and hopefully educating and figuring out how what we need to do to be a part of this conversation in an um, advantageous way. Mm. Mm. So as you think about things, what are some, how do you think we can shepherd and care for students or even younger children mm-hmm. um, in our churches or in our circles, um, you know, and just kids we know, maybe our, our kids' friends from school or, you know, just in our circles of acquaintance? How can we shepherd and care for students who are struggling with their gender identity if we are so blessed to be the people who know that? Right, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think first and foremost, it's the way you would care for anybody that is dealing with something that is hard, that is challenging, that is maybe outside of the norm, if you will. That's just not something that's really talked about. I mean, you want to be able to be a person that's safe. You want to be a person that listens. You want to be a person that um, they know they can come and talk. And I think that's the most important thing that we can do right up front, not only for the, the actual child or teenager that might be wrestling with this, but for their families as well. Mm. Um, I belong to several um, groups on Facebook that are made up of parents that have these kids and both on the side of totally affirming that this is a good thing and Mm. and then on the other side where they believe in the traditional sexual ethic that comes from the Bible. And to a T, on both sides, they agree that in the religious community, in a church community, they're looking for people that will really listen to them, mm. that will really be invested in just loving them and giving parents a safe outlet and accepting their kid how they are and where they are right now before trying to change them or convince mm. them of, you know, otherwise. Or It's just, it's just being loving and being mm. real. And mm. I think that's one of the best things that any of us can do. Yeah. What a great way for us to start thinking about engaging this topic when we say everybody agrees on this first thing. Mm-hmm. Bible-believing Christians, uh, non-Bible-believing atheists, everybody agrees that there has to be that, that uh, listening well, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And, and that, safe, that safe place. Or how could we ever get to where we want to get mm-hmm. with this person that we love? Right. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, if, if somebody has grown up in the church... They know what God's word says. They've heard it. They, whether they agree or not, they're already aware of that. What they need more is somebody that will help them in a non-judgmental way, question, walk through, read God's word and, and what that looks like and what it means without kind of going top down on them, but maybe coming bottom up, if mm-hmm. that makes sense, mm-hmm. and, and giving them the space to ask questions. But that's any faith question. Mm-hmm. There are kids that suffer that from the church that they deal with not believing. And we don't want to just say, well, you have to believe because it's what the sure, Bible says. Sure. You want to help them see and, and walk through that. Mm-hmm. And so it's the same thing. And I think sometimes we get caught up in 
transgender or, or gay or whatever. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is such a, but it's the same as any other yeah. when it comes to understanding. Yeah, it's mm. a great, it's a great uh, metaphor with apologetics because if someone is struggling with doubts, you know, no good apologist would say, well, just believe it. You know, we would say, hey, we, we've got 20 books we recommend to you. Would you read right. this? Would you consider this? Would you go with this? Right. Um, and so I certainly in my reading and in my Christian tradition, we would never treat apologetics in that manner. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and we recognize that doubt is something that probably most Christians uh, at multiple t- points in their faith walk mm-hmm. uh, deal with mm-hmm. to, to varying degrees. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so as you talk about scripture, um, what do you think students struggling with their gender identity need to hear from the scriptures? Well, I think first and foremost, John 3.16, mm-hmm. for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him um, will not perish, but have life everlasting, and help them understand that this is how God loves you, mm-hmm. that his love is so great, regardless of who you are or what your life is like, he loves you and he died for you on the cross. That's and right. that's... To me, we have to come from that. And it's also important for them to hear Genesis 1, 26 and 27, which is that God created us in His image, Mm. male and female, but not for the, see, you can only be male or female, but from God created you, Betsy, God created you, Josh, in His image. And that's part of the diversity and the beautiful um, way that God has done that. And so to help them understand that they themselves are unique and specially created in his image, and he loves them. Mm. The rest of it falls into place yeah. eventually. Mm. I love that. So, awesome. so even creation is rooted in love, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that God has created us as two genders, two sexes, is an expression of his love. And we don't just see his love when we come to Jesus, which of course, Jesus is the fullest expression of his love but we see that overflow of God's love right from the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. Right in God making us as his image bearers as male and female. Mm. And that's just special and unique and amazing when you Mm. really stop and think that, you know, we're created in his image. Mm. Mm. It really is. I love that. Uh, So in what ways can parents and satellite adults, y'all, satellite adult, that means like some an adult who's in uh, your child's life or your teen's life who's not necessarily family, but just someone who cares about. So, Julie, right. you are a satellite adult for many, many youth. Um, so in what ways can parents and satellite adults come alongside students who are struggling with their gender identity? I think some of the same ways that we've really already talked about is mm-hmm. just being present and, and trying not to be um, forceful about this is this is right, this is wrong. I'm not saying that we, you know, you can do whatever you want, but sometimes you have to come in under the radar. Mm-hmm. And it's just to be there and to be and to be present and to give them the space again to speak about what they're struggling with. Um, not dismissing it, not saying, well, just choose to not do it because it's so much deeper and more complex. Mm-hmm. And then being willing to remember how often God forgives us and how often, how patient God w- is with us. And doing the same thing for those that are struggling in whatever issue they're struggling in. Again, mm-hmm. it's not just this particular issue. There are lots of things that people struggle with that God forgives us over and over and over. So, so Julie, a question for you uh, as a parent, and this is one for parents. I, th- I think this question would be a less focused on satellite adults because satellite adults, um, it's really not their job ultimately to say 
what access a teenager has to social media right. or that, that that's really going to come mm-hmm. under the purview of the parents, right? Absolutely. So as a parent, let's say I'm aware of there being Facebook groups, for example, that very much uh, promote gender fluidity and, um, uh, and a trans identity as perhaps a source of freedom and, and purpose and community a lot of attractive things that I would say are things that the human heart needs. Mm-hmm. It's usually a question of where where are we finding the things that are that the human heart mm-hmm. needs. Do you have any advice to parents on some of the things that that uh, especially adolescents might be exposed to that that could push them to a uh, a trans uh, affirming or or trans curiosity? Absolutely. I mean, as a parent. That's your responsibility to put those boundaries in place, to to be aware of what your your child is exposed to, and you can do that as a parent. Now, there's a way to do it in a loving um, guidance type of a way, as opposed to just shutting everything down. Mm-hmm. But I think ultimately, that's God's entrusted these kids to us, and mm-hmm. so we mm-hmm. need to put boundaries in place. But then we also need to have the conversations with them about the underlying why why I feel like this boundary is necessary, depending mm-hmm. on the age that they are, obviously, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and help them understand that it's not a, I'm dismissing you, it's a, I love you, mm-hmm. and I want you to understand. And that's really part of a broader conversation we have to have as parents, because no matter what we do in the home, they will um, mm-hmm. come across all these different ideas in the marketplace, you know, in, in schools and in conversations with friends. They're going to come across these things, whatever it may be that we're trying to protect them from or, um, you know, that's so many different things. So really our job is to equip our children to know how to handle things when they do come across these ideas because they will come across yeah. them. Yeah, right. if you talk to any parent that the stories that they get the most excited about are when their kids make a good decision on their own, mm-hmm. not because mom and dad made them. Right. right. I, I have parents tell me that all the time. Josh, I want to tell you this story about what my son or my daughter did. Mm-hmm. And they did, and it's a story about how the kid did it. Right. 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 Not the mom and dad made them do it. Right. Right. Exactly. So what, Julie, what have you learned in your reading? By the way, I would love for you, if you have resources that you would mm-hmm. recommend, I know you have done extensive reading and learning about this topic, which I'm so grateful for. So if you want to mention those too, that would be great. Any resources you would recommend? Um, what have you learned in your reading about trans issues and in your interactions with students struggling with their gender identities that you think we all really need to know? <laughs> there's there's so much. Um but I, I do, I think... That would be like 10 episodes. Right, but, but yeah. <laughs> I, I think that, to, especially to remember that this is a much broader conversation, it, it goes to the depth of mm. our mm-hmm. sexuality as I humans. Like that. that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And what we hold up as perfect or the goal or whatever, and it goes to what makes a boy, what makes a girl, and, and sometimes how that's very rigid, and so people don't have room to kind of be different, but mm. still, that doesn't mean that you're not. Um, there's a lot of authors out there, Preston Sprinkle, like, Josh mentioned earlier his latest book, Embodied, is a great read. Um, if you want something a little more academic, it's Dr. Mark Yarhouse, and he's written several books on gender dysphoria, gender identities. Um, and then there's an, a ministry called Leading um, or Guiding, Lead Them Home, and they have a handbook called Guiding Families, and they mm. have a specific um, chapter specifically for trans, but it's more in general about how to walk through this with families and kids that are just dealing with the sexuality itself. Mm. Yeah. That's really helpful. So those are some great resources. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And Julie, I love how you're pointing to the the gender expression itself is probably just the surface of so much deeper mm-hmm. things that we are getting to here. We are getting to um, our core identity. Mm-hmm. We are getting to, uh, I mean, I mean, just to to not come at this with this sort of superficial thing, like it's just that my son wants to dress like a girl or my daughter wants to dress like a boy, but but recognizing that there's so much going on underneath mm-hmm. in yes. in these kids' lives. Um, you know, Julie, you and I were, as we were preparing for this podcast, we were just talking about the the increase in particularly adolescent girls yes. that are um, adopting trans identities. And, and, and this is there's there's lots of, of medical research, scientific research that that shows that especially over the last 10 years, there has been sort of an explosion of trans identity among adolescent girls. And again, you know, you just, you want to go to that deeper level of saying, what's causing this? Mm-hmm. What's going on in the culture? How do we understand this? And, and really wanting to come at it with, with a robust biblical response and, and something more than um, a superficial thing. And I'll just give, we're running out of time here, but I'll give one example. In my own reading on this topic, what I've realized is um, there's really no more room in our culture anymore for a tomboy. Mm-hmm. Right. That would be mm-hmm. a girl right. who doesn't want to wear a dress all the time and a girl who likes to rough around with play with the boys and is great at sports and doesn't, you know, what likes to wear shorts and a t-shirt and a sneakers all the time and likes to wear a baseball cap and all this sort of thing. It, there used to be this understood concept that you had sort of girly girls or, or, or more feminine gals and then you had tomboys. Mm-hmm. And it, there, there used to be that was a very much an accepted thing, and it didn't even necessarily mean that that the gal was lesbian at all. It just meant that, hey, this person doesn't fit our American, and let's call it what it is, folks, our American gender stereotypes. Right. And what I'm reading now is, and Julie, you can tell me if you if you agree with this, that more and more that when a girl doesn't fit these stereotypes the first thing they're told is maybe you're trans. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's part of it. You can't be this way and still be a girl. So you must be you must be a guy and you must have it mixed up. And I'm not saying that's across the board, but there's yep. not enough space within that's right. to be independent. Yeah, I read a book a couple of years ago. It's called um, Love Thy Body by a woman named Nancy Piercy. And she had a, a um, as we were preparing for this, I remember that I had read that she had a chapter on... Um, transgender identity and, and and there was a quote in there that I loved it was from a student that um that Nancy Piercy has um who has struggled with cross gender feelings and what the student said is american society is in danger of sexualizing what are really just character traits mm-hmm. putting people in a sexual box based on non-sexual traits and behavior yes. and it's so true if you see these very very rigid roles we have you know the what we call the toxic masculinity is like you know the guy on the couch who just wants to drink the beer and watch uh-huh. the football and then the girl who does all the makeup tutorials it's so very rigid and yeah. you know we as christians should be the people another quote from the book is christians should be on the forefront of creative thinking to recover richer definitions of what it means to be a man or a woman mm. wow and i totally agree with that and and how convicting and sobering is it when in the church you see the same stereotypes, mm-hmm. yes, or or even maybe 
on steroids. Mm -hmm. Like, because, well, the Bible says if you're a man and how the church has not always approached approached being a man and a woman in a, in a truly biblical manner. That's right. But has instead done it in, through a cultural manner, probably well-intentioned most, most of the time, but yet still. Other times, dangerous. Yes. Other times, misog- let's call it. Let's call it misogynistic. Let's mm-hmm. call it, um, mm-hmm. you know, supposedly it was biblical, but it's really it wasn't. But but we should be the ones mm-hmm. at the forefront. That's right. That say this is cultural, folks. This is what it really means yes. to be a godly man or woman. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Well, Julie, this has been super helpful. I know we could talk to you for a long time, <laughs> mm-hmm. but Betsy and I would love to know what have you been reading recently. I've been reading um, lots of books. I love to read, but one of the ones I've been um, reading is called Growing Young, and it's about how to kind of empower the the youth in our in our churches and help them move into leadership, which is great. And then another Ooh, one, which has been like very, um, just, it's been wonderful is we're reading as a staff, Josh, and you know this, it's beautiful community and it's um, talking about racism and racial reconciliation and how to come from that, from a biblical, truly biblical perspective. And I just think it's led to really great conversations hmm. with our staff. Hmm. Great, great. So folks, we highly recommend these two books, Growing Young and the beautiful community. The beautiful mm-hmm. community is by Erwin Ince. Do you know who Growing Young is by? Um, it's from out of Fuller. Um, Fuller. Uh, golly days! Now I'm having a blank. Okay. But yeah. they, okay. if you, if we'll you link, link to it, we'll link to it. We'll link yeah. to it. Growing yeah. Young. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, we are so glad that you all tuned in today. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and found it profitable. So don't forget, you can. Um, If you would ever want to leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podasts, we're on the um, Google Store. That's terrible. You can I don't find even know us on Spotify, Betsy. Spotify. We are on Spotify. We are on Spotify, people. Um, <laughs> so yeah, if you would want to leave us a rating review, that helps other people very to find grateful. us. Yes, yeah. and do we will link to these resources that Julie mentioned. Our website is www.nepres.com/podcasts. And we hope that your kids and grandkids and nieces and nephews have satellite adults like Julie Palakis in their mm-hmm. life. Thank Julie, you. thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time.